Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Valerie Hope. Welcome once again this week to Time to Come Alive. This podcast, webcast, is an opportunity for you to become even more connected to yourself, more conscious of yourself, connected to other people, and then with those two elements, you're able to create something special in the world. It's an opportunity for us to also listen in on a conversation that will bring all of those elements, those three elements to light. And today's guest is no exception. We're going to have a wonderful time talking to Trish Cruz in just a moment, and I'll, I'll inter- introduce her briefly. Now, before we get started, though, make sure that if you're watching this live on Facebook, you're listening to the recording on YouTube, please forward it to your own community, your circle, because this also brings up conversations in your community, in your circle that could bring consciousness, connection, and creation. And we'd love to make sure that we can you know, create a ripple effect out of this conversation today. Now, before we do any of that, we just want to get present and get mindful about what we're going to have a conversation about today. So I invite you, if you are in a comfortable place, to sit feet firmly planted on the ground. You might want to take a couple of deep cleansing breaths just to refocus. Some might find it helpful to close your eyes. Some of you might find it helpful to just unfocus your gaze just a tad so that you can look inward. And as you're continuing to breathe, I want you to think about on a scale from one to 10, when you think about the work that you're doing in the world, that may be your career, that may be your family life, it may mean how you're involved in your community. On a scale of one to 10, I want you to give yourself a rating for how fulfilled you are with those roles or that role currently. So just feel it in your body, feel it in your mind's eye, see it in your mind's eye. One to 10, how fulfilled you are, whether that's your career, your community, your family, wherever you're spending your creative energy. Okay, now that you have a number in your mind, I want you to think about What are the elements that are contributing to that? You think about, is it the people? Is it the environment? Is it where you're doing these events or activities? Is it the skill sets or gifts that you're using or perhaps not using enough? Could it be the product or services that are being offered? Or perhaps are they aligned? with who you are and what you want to produce and create in the world, or are they not? Think about all the elements that may be contributing to the number that you gave, that rating you gave yourself. Just take another breath. Sit with that for a moment. And as you listen to our conversation today, consider what might you do to maintain a high number, you rated yourself high? What might you do to shift your number if it's lower to a higher number? Or what might you need to do with the environment or perhaps the people so that all the others that are around you that may be impacting this experience raise their level of fulfillment as well? 
All right. Take another deep breath. You may open your eyes or refocus your gaze. Welcome back. Now I'm gonna introduce my, my friend Trish Cruz. Uh, Trish and I met maybe three, four years ago, Trish. Right. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. It doesn't feel like I've been anywhere <laughs> for that long sometimes. But Trish and I attended the same church for, for a couple of years at least. And then Trish, you went on <laughs> to the greener pastures <laughs> across the country. So today I find myself in Dallas, Texas still. And Trish, you are now in? Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. Look at that. Both of us enjoying near 100 degree weather. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for being with us today. I was really captivated by the conversation we had, I would say maybe a month or so ago, uh, before coming into this program about about your life and the trajectory, really the journey that you've been on for the last few years and the things that you've shifted significantly as a result. So yes. first of all, before we go into that, anything else that you'd like to add to your introduction? Oh, I think you did a great job introducing. I uh, am just so happy to be here and just so happy to uh, share with you and uh, your listeners and watchers. Um, a, a little story. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the one thing I wanted to share with you, with everyone is have you share actually, Trish, the reason that you wanted to, to come on to Time to Come Alive and share the story. Can you just give us a glimpse at what, what propelled you or what encouraged you to do this? So, unfortunately for me, I uh, have decided that, or I had decided that things weren't working well for me in uh, the trajectory or path that I was taking. And I did not heed that. I didn't pay attention to it. And so I took a bumpy journey. And I wanted to come today just to share my story so that other people might learn from something and may not have to have as bumpy of a journey as I did when they are bumping up against core values or uh, uh, paths that they want to take. Got it. Good. No one wants a bumpy journey on purpose. No, on oh, purpose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're like a, an amusement park or something. <laughs> those are, people pay for those. Right. Um, okay, so let's start with this. When we did the mindfulness exercise earlier, what rating did you give yourself about how fulfilled you are currently and whatever it is that you're doing? Where did you look first of all, and what rating did you give yourself? What was that first part of that question? Where did yeah. I, what, where, where did you look like? What, what was okay. it work? Is it your yes. family okay. community? Okay. Yeah. So I looked at my work life and I actually rated myself a five mm -hmm. because I absolutely love what I'm doing. I travel around the country. I uh, give seminars in communication skills, um, leadership skills, and that sort of thing. And I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else except the reason it's a five is because I uh, do one-day seminars with people and I don't get to build true connection. People come into my life and then I never get to see um, what happens after that. 
And so one of the things that I know that I want to build is that eventually I have more longer lasting relationships with the people that I interact with uh, in my business. Mm. That's really interesting to note because yes, the way, maybe perhaps the way in which you do what you do, you enjoy, you love, but it's that longevity that's important to you that's right now missing. And that has such an impact on the energy which one does with, with, one, with which one does their work. It also has an impact on how fulfilling it feels to you. So that's Correct. really great to know. You might be doing the right thing, but are you doing it in the right way? The way right? So those are the questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so take us to the beginning of the bumpy journey. Okay. <laughs> what, and again, starting off with where you were or what area you were looking at in this right. journey. And then right. what, at the time, was the rating that you'd given yourself then? Okay. So when I very, very first started off um, and working for a, a large corporation, a very large corporation, um, my daughter was. Uh, around 14 years old at the time. Um, and I um, jumped in wholeheartedly. And I loved working for this corporation. I would give myself an eight or a nine at the beginning. Um, I felt a number of things. I felt strong uh, as a role model to my daughter and the other young women who were uh, coming into my home because of her, her friends and that sort of thing. Um, I felt like I was making an impact on uh, people's lives. I was a a manager and so I had young people who, um, most of them uh, first time jobs or entry level positions. And I felt that I was able to give them uh, some guidance and, and mold them and Really, I, I loved it. That's where I was in the beginning. Fantastic. And just in transparency, which sounds ironic to say in full transparency, we're not even going to mention the organization because the idea here is not to talk or make wrong a company or corporation or industry, but really to look at the personal experience. So for those of you who are hanging on to every word, trying to figure out what corporation is she talking about, <laughs> not be mentioned. <laughs> We don't want that to take away from your personal experience. So I appreciate you, appreciate you doing that. Okay. So, so you were in a place that you loved, you really thought you had an opportunity to not only model for your daughter and other young women, but also guide, mold a lot of young leaders as well. It sounds like. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about eight or nine. So what was it about who you were at the time in your life and what you were doing that seemed to gel so well? I, um, I was in a, in, in a time of my life where I had given up some power. And when I took over this position, when I uh, moved into the corporate world, um, I owned my power. I worked in a, a almost an entirely male um, corporation, uh, or at least that the part of the business that I was in. And I was respected and I really just, I grew in that. I just felt so powerful and uh, that I had um, meaning, not only for me, but for others. Does that make sense? Hmm. So you said that you gave up, there was a point in your life 
prior to, it sounds like, where you felt you gave up power. Can you describe mm -hmm. what that means, giving up power and then feeling powerful? What, yeah. what exactly does that mean for you? Yeah. So um, I have always been, um, I'm going to say career driven, but I'm not sure that that's exactly the right word, career. But I've always been somebody who has uh, taken my work life seriously. And um, I made a move to New Jersey and I became a house mom for a period of time. And it wasn't the right move for me. There are some people who are really, really good at being at a stay at home parent. And I began to diminish. I, my world began to get smaller because um, I moved to a state where I didn't know anybody. And um, so I had no connections with people and it just began to diminish me. So I made a decision to, to say, you know what, I am not being a good role mo model to my child because what she's seeing is me being unhappy, staying at home. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what's right for me. And by doing what's right for me, it's going to be right for her. It's going to be right for everybody else in my life. That's what I meant. Okay, got it. So the idea of diminishing your power sounds like it has less to do with this, the role that you had, but more the spirit or the energy and enthusiasm that you felt about it. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I just don't, I want people to be really clear that power does, is not equated to a, 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 a position or a role. Here, we're just talking about how aligned and enthusiastic or how much energy you're able to, to experience and to express whatever you're doing. Yes. The higher the energy, the higher the enthusiasm, the greater the level of power. Yes. Yeah. Power has nothing to do, in my opinion, with position, pay, um, any of those things. Power has to do when, when you are your true self and you're shining through because people see that passion in you. Yeah. That's really, I, I like that because a lot of it, when we use the word empower other people, it's not about giving someone decision-making power necessarily. Although sometimes the connotation might, mm -hmm. people might use that connotation. What I look at it as is, helping people make sure that they're aligned you know that's one of the things that i think and we in our world when we're working with people in coaching situations or training what we're doing is empowering people with information so that they align themselves with the fullest expression of themselves and their energy and enthusiasm could contribute to whatever they're accomplishing that's so, right cool that's okay right. so then so you were in this in this situation you didn't necessarily feel that powerful you didn't feel like you were being the model parent that you wanted to be so what shifted? How did you realize that that was happening and that needed to change? Um, so I, I know the answer. It's, it's just very personal. <laughs> so here's what happened. Um, the relationship that I was in with, um, with my daughter's father was ending. And um, it just made me think about who am I and how, how am I going to spend this next part of my life? What's going to happen here? How am I going to move into 
um, being a single parent and being the best that I can be and not taking um, all of the negativity that sometimes comes with something like that. And I'll remember the day so, so, so clearly when I stood up and I said, that's it. I'm through crying about this. I'm through uh, feeling scared about this. I'm going to make a move. And that's what I did. I started looking for positions that I thought I would be good at. I started to look for a place to um, live that would have make me feel really good inside. And I found this 150 year old little house in this amazing little revolutionary war town in the middle of New Jersey that was a picture postcard perfect. Everything aligned the day that I said, I'm done being sad and I'm going to uh, take control of my life and make myself Productive, happy, conscious, connected. Hmm. So what did that look like? What exactly? So you found this home, you decided that you weren't going to be living in those this, in the situation that you were living in for those years. What, what happened after that? So you started pulling plugs and flipping switches, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. What what was that experience like for you? How, what was the emotional impact? It was one of the most uplifting times of my life because I, uh, I was so aligned. I, I have to tell you, I found that house. I drove around this tiny little town every day for a few weeks. It was maybe five minutes from where work would be. And um, this house I had driven past and all of a sudden, this little rent sign came up on the window. I literally was late for work that day because I stopped and said, come over. I want to look at this house. I was in there for five minutes. I said, this is it. This is what I want. And, and it just, there were these layers. I, I'll call them layers of power and layers of pleasure that just were building on themselves. I loved the new job that I had. I loved my boss. And all of this connection came and my daughter benefited so much from that because it was a time when it could have been very, very scary for her. But what she saw was that no matter what kind of adversity you have, if you, if you hit it head on and you do what's right for you, then you're going to be okay. Yeah. That's a wonderful lesson <laughs> to, to impart. I don't know, how old was your daughter at the time? She, 13, 14. She was like eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, kids, from what I've learned, <laughs> they're yeah. paying attention the whole time. But mm-hmm. that's where, where a lot of their life decisions start becoming, you know, they start making them a lot more intentionally. Yeah. So it looks like you created a great backdrop for, for some of her own growth. Right. Okay, so you so was this the job that you loved at the time, or was, was that's the yes, that's the job that okay. I took at that time. Yep, the where you rated yourself in fulfillment eight or nine. That's right. Gotcha. Okay, so then what happened? So we're yeah. on this journey. So far, it sounds like the biggest bump was actually moving and right. deciding that you weren't going to be in the relationship. 
finding you, you and your daughter a place to live, finding right. the right job. And right. then tell us more. And years go by. Years go by where I'm feeling fulfilled. Um, my daughter goes through school and um, I had always told her that living in New Jersey was, we're not from New Jersey. I'm a California girl, and, um, but my father lived in, in, in Texas. And I always told my daughter when she graduates from high school and goes off to college that I would take a transfer with this company and move to Texas to be closer to my father. So that's what got me into Texas. And um, I had probably three or four, maybe five years, six years with this company in Texas where I went from Fort Worth to Abilene to Dallas. And I was promoting up higher and higher through this company. Um, and on the outside, life looked really good. My family thought it looked good. Everybody thought it looked good. What but, does that mean, look good? So I was making good money, and I um, had uh, worked for a prestigious company, and I had prestige within the company. Okay. So Patricia is, that's what my family calls me, Patricia is settled. Life is good for her, right? But here's what happened. About the same time that I moved to Texas, um, my values did not change, but they started to knock on the door and make themselves clear to me that even though um, this job and this company propelled me and helped me through some difficult times and, and um, made me stronger, that I had set aside some of my values in order to make this work for me. And what I mean by that is I gave up some things. Uh, I, I worked for a company that had a different set of values than I did. And some of those values are health values. There were uh, things that this company promoted and does that do not promote healthy living. Mm. And I set that aside for so many years. And I've watched so many other people who work for this company um, live healthy lifestyles and yet are working for a company that does not promote a healthy lifestyle. Mm. But, but you let that go because there's other benefits. But it started to become really, really important to me that I was living out of alignment there. There was another thing that was happening and that these young people that I mentioned that I got to mold, something changed in me around them as well. And what changed was I, there was a difference between how I wanted to work with these people and what the company wanted. That the company made choices around hiring procedures and um, cost savings that made me have to make these people work harder and longer and put the company before the family. When I interviewed people towards the end, those past couple of years, I had to say to them, um, 
Christmas, Fourth of July, um, Memorial Day, Labor Day, all of these things, these family times are going to be our busiest times. And so if you want to work for us, you're going to have to understand that you aren't going to be able to have that type of time with your family during those holidays. And of course, every single person would say, not a problem, not a problem. And then the time would come and the child would have, you know, a Christmas recital or something that they weren't able to go to. And it really started to, to wear on me that here I am. One of the reasons that I started this job was because I wanted to be a great role model for my child. And I wanted to help her by seeing how, um, uh, uh, strong and independent I can be as a woman. And now I'm telling these people family second. Mm -hmm. So can you see where this, this just started to be this, this rift between me, who I was internally and me, who I was presenting to the world as a person who was promoting a product that I didn't believe in and telling people that they had to put uh, their salary and and this company before family. We worked seven days a week. Some people had to uh, were uh, couldn't go to church on Sundays. It just didn't fit anymore. Mm. It's interesting because when you talk about you're, you've always had the same values, you said, right? You've always had the same values. And it sounds like family has been one of the biggest ones, especially your daughter and being a, a role model for, for her and encouraging others to also see family as number one and health, right? So what was it about, first of all, about how long were you in the organization before these values started to kind of bubble up as being challenged? So a couple things. First of all, it was probably about seven years um, um, before the before the value started to be challenged. And here's one of the things that that uh, really uh, made me sit up and listen. And that is this: when for me, when things are going well, um. I am in alignment with my core values. And what I now know is that when I start to feel um, out of alignment, that it's time for me to check back in with my core values. And that is the thing that I didn't do. For years, I didn't realize that it was um, the way that I was treating people, the way that I was not holding up uh, my health standards. There were years when I just didn't even realize that I was going against those core values. And the big learning lesson for me, Valerie, is that now I know that when I, anything that I'm doing, when I feel like something is amiss, I'm going to go straight back to my values and say, what am I, what am I not looking at here? What toes, what value toes am I stepping on? Hmm. Okay, so I would love to, for you to paint us a picture of what that looks like. Like, when do you notice, 
or what is it that happens when you notice you're not in alignment? Like what, is there something that you're saying? Is there something, are you not able to sleep? Like, can you kind of yep. paint a picture? Yeah. So just the opposite. I sleep too much. <laughs> I sleep all the time. I uh, pull, pull away from uh, social activities. Um, I took a picture at one point. I was uh, living in Abilene, Texas, and um, I took a picture of my living room kitchen and sent it to my sister and my daughter and said, I'm in trouble because it was a total mess. And I, there are things that I know when I am out of alignment, I get depressed and I don't clean things and I, um, uh, I move away from relationships. And I was in such, when, when I knew you, when we were living in Dallas, you know, I, I was in such turmoil and church was my only outlet for um, social activity because I, I hid away from the world because I was embarrassed about the things that I was doing. Mm. Wow. This is, this is, this is so good. Thank you for sharing this so far because I can see that those are the, and they're so subtle sometimes, right? You mentioned sleeping a lot longer, maybe not saying yes to those invitations to go out, maybe being a little embarrassed to have people over, you know, there's little things like that, that might sound small, but in essence, they're like symptoms. There's symptoms for some greater unrest. And I mean, I could totally see that. I, I, I would even imagine thinking about how relationships are going. Maybe you are so more so, when people are more social. I, re I remember specifically in my life that there was a, I went to a party for New Year's one year and met this gentleman at the party and we're talking and dancing and he was sharing something about his multiple streams of income and how, you know, working for a corporation is the worst thing that one could do. And at the time I was working for, for a corporation, very proud of what I did, as a matter of fact, and how he went on and on about how, no, that's not the way to go because then you're tied, you're, you're like in jail, you can't get out, you need to have all these. Anyways, and I remember being really upset, like bothered, irked, yeah. irritated by perfect stranger who I just met for a six minute song or whatever <laughs> track and and I just couldn't I couldn't shake it even the next day or two I, I until I had a conversation with my older brother where I discussed I'm like I don't know why this guy got under my skin so bad but I point to this because I realized that that was that there's something rubbing up against a value that I didn't realize and I wasn't able to call it out at the time yeah. But what was fascinating is I also realized that what he was pointing to was that he had such a clear, clear way of articulating his value. Money was a value to him and how to acquire financial uh, peace where I wasn't able to articulate my value because it was definitely different, but I just couldn't articulate right. it. And yeah. so I think what this conversation is bringing up Trish, is that there are opportunities for us. Maybe we have a value, like we know family is important, and yet we may not have articulated it quite well enough for us to now be able to use it to make really clear decisions. 
I, in order for us to actually say, well, what does that family value mean? We have to be able to say, well, it means this, this is what it looks like for me. This is when it's most fulfilling. These are the people around me. This is how I express myself to them, et cetera. So I, I, love, I love that you're pointing to this. So I'm curious about, okay, so you started noticing you were pulling away. Right, right. You started to sleep more, all that. Yeah. What, so what pointed to that being a symptom for something more? I think what pointed it to be a symptom for something more is that I began to, I, I began to question, you know, what's going on with me? What, why am I this way? And why am I so unhappy? Because I had a whole group of people, family and friends telling me you're making good money. You, um, you have prestige, you have these things. And so then I started to do some, some research uh, into my own self. And I, what, what do I truly value? And it's not the first time I had uh, done some research around what I valued. I had a, a list of values that I knew were part of me. And then what I realized was this. I had money, not a value for me. I had prestige not a value for me, but I didn't have time to be with the people that I loved because I was working 12 and 14 hours a day. I didn't have um, curiosity, which is a really big uh, core value for me. I, I, uh, I was not in a place that, that um, liked innovation. They just wanted things to be done the way that they've been done. Um, innovation costs money. <laughs> so um, I just had to do some soul searching. I'm living in a way that does not fulfill me, that does not work for me. I need to go back to my core values and see where I have split off. And that's what I found. I found I'm living in Texas, uh, not near any of my family members. I'm, uh, I'm saving money for what I don't know. And I'm not helping people. I'm not growing people. I'm not um, making an impact with these very young, moldable people. Mm. And I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, wow. Now, you said your father was living here at the time? Yes, he, he, he was, but he had passed. He had oh. passed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got That's it. why I wanted to go there. I wanted to spend those last few years with him. I see. Yeah. I see. So really, in yeah. essence, it was just you and your daughter here. And my daughter wasn't there. My daughter no, was in college. College at the time. So it's just yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So then it's interesting because I, I, I wonder, how did that show up at work when you started feeling that restlessness, when you started feeling, noticing that value friction? What, what happened at work? Oh, a number of things. First of all, um, irritation. I, I, I didn't have, um, uh, uh, what's the word? I, I, I would get irritated with people quickly. I didn't have patience anymore. Um, that was one of the things that happened. My productivity dropped because I would get up in the morning 
And I would just think, oh, another day. And I'd walk into work and every morning I would get up and I would say, today's the day. It's going to be the old Trish. It's going to be that powerful Trish. And she's going to go in there and she's going to make a difference. And I would walk into that building and I would just go. And so my boss started to notice uh, that very last year was the first year that I received a, um, an evaluation that was less than stellar. Um, and everybody else began to notice too. And so all of a sudden people started to not trust me because I didn't trust myself because I knew that uh, this was, this was not good for me, not good for me to be living so far out of alignment with who I was. But I didn't know how to get out because everybody else around, I was fulfilling people around me's wishes for me and their values. And I had this big, big problem. How do I chuck it all and do what I'm supposed to be doing, which is helping others and not disappoint all of these people around me. Wow. That's really, that's really brilliant because, well, brilliant, sad. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we think about, you know, what you said was so key that you started to notice how your values didn't match, right? You said that in the beginning, but there were all these other people who were saying, no, this is like the best thing because yeah. their values perhaps, or quote unquote societal values were being fulfilled, at least what people can see. And I think that's, that's so good because we often use that as the measuring stick, right? Well, does society think that this is, I have a good job? Well, then it must be true. Does society feel like I have a great relationship? It must be true. Do I live in the right place? Am I, right? And yes. what you started to really do is like debunk that. that that's not really the measuring stick that, right. that works right? That works. Not that societal values are good or bad. They just are. It sounds like for you, it was really a matter of getting so clear about yours and understanding the, the importance of that, that you can then use it because it, I'm sure it created some friction in relationships too. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially at work, like you said, if you're, yeah. you're, you're supervisor. Um, okay. So as, I, I want to hear more about how that worked and how that happened. And I want to encourage those of you who are participating and listening in, if you have questions or comments for Trish about what she's sharing or your own version of this, please you know, write it in the chat if you are able to, if you're on the phone, if you want to make a comment, raise your hand by hitting star nine. In just a moment, I'll, I want to open up the conversation for those who are participating today. So, okay, so let's, so, Trish, sorry. Yeah, Trish, let, me, let me just to kind of to bring it all together is that, Although I, I was doing this work, although I was understanding um, uh, where I was um, not living in integrity, I didn't know how to get out of it. And so I just stayed being miserable. And it all came to a head on December 23rd, 2015, a couple of days before Christmas. We were working nonstop hours and hours and hours of working. I had a new boss who um, 
made some financial decisions um, that really, really hurt my team. Um, we were not allowed to have temporary folks come in. We weren't allowed to have equipment that we needed to come in, which we did every other year. This year, none of it because she, she was new and she was trying to save money and that sort of thing. December 23rd, I am so done with this job. I am so done with these uh, her, people who were just looking so tired and they're just so unhappy. I walked into work that day and my new boss was out on the floor and she decided that she was going to run this department, never having run this department before. And she began to make decisions that were unsafe. And as she was making these decisions, there were forklifts around. I was in a big, large warehouse. As she was making these decisions, I could feel myself disassociating, just moving farther and farther and farther away from the work. I kind of walked around that day like a shell-shocked person, like a PTSD person. I just wasn't all there. A young man came up to me at about 11 o'clock in the morning and said, Ma'am, that lady over there wants me to get on this forklift and do this work, and I've never been on a forklift before, and I don't think it's safe. What should I do? And I looked him in the face, and I said, she's the boss. And I walked away from him. And I walked into my office. I grabbed my backpack and my sweater, and I walked out the door. A few people came up to me, are you leaving? And I shook their hands and said, it's been nice. And so that on December 23rd, I walked out of that office never to go back again. And I left the people who I cared about in the lurch because now they didn't have a boss. And it was two days before Christmas. But I had, I had broken. I was totally... Uh, disassociated. I could see myself walking out of that building. And I got home and I immediately got on the computer to uh, take a look at getting help for myself, to really get some help. Um, within a week, I notified my daughter, told her what um, that I had just left Coca-Cola and was on my way to Costa Rica for a month where I stayed with a lovely group of people who helped me to um, get back in touch with myself, um, to meditate, to go through some, some pretty stringent counseling and to really figure out what the heck um, I needed to do to get back into alignment. And that's when I realized something. I didn't have to go through any of that, Valerie. All I had to do was listen to myself. All I had to do was go back to who I truly was and stop worrying about other people. And even people who were dead, like my mother, she had been gone for so many years. And yet I still was trying to please her by staying in that job. 
and I had put myself so far last that it finally took a, what I call a spiritual breakdown to get me to listen to myself again, to the me, the I am who I am. I was so disconnected that I, I literally hurt other people by being a poor boss to them before I made the decision to go back to who I am. That's why I'm here on this show is I want people to realize you, you find those little, those little uh, symptoms and then you go inside and you figure out what's going on so that you can be the best you that you can be. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to play, I don't know. I hate to use the word devil's advocate. because It's not very positive, but I can also see how, you know, you just painted the discomfort that you were feeling up to the time when you, when it really began to trigger that behavior. You can also, I could also say that that was feeling safe, right? You had some notion of safety, financial safety, security, right? You have all these obligations. I'd likely, I imagine that that was being able to support your daughter in college and Mm -hmm. your lifestyle, et cetera. And I can see how many people in any career where they might be experiencing those symptoms might prioritize that safety. Right? If you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yes, security yes, is always yes. number one. Right. What you're talking about is that higher self, self-actualization, which is like the top of the pyramid. Right. There's so much in between. So I'm curious, what do you say about that safety being fulfilled? Although one might feel you know, triggered or irritated or not themselves or not fulfilled and values are not aligned. How does one make that jump where those needs now need to be looked at and see whether or not they can go higher? Okay. First of all, realization, realizing where you are, if you're on that safety level um, and where you want to be on that uh, self-actualization level, you have to have that realization. See, I didn't have that realization. I thought that I was, that safety level was it, right? That's number one. Number two is this. Once you realize that you're not where you want to be, where that you're not in that alignment, you don't have to jump like I did. What you do is you build a plan. What you do is you say, this is, this is where I am living right now out of alignment with these particular goals or core values or whatever it is, here's where I want to be. And I need to start taking baby steps to get there. I need to start moving toward my truth of me rather than resisting, resisting, resisting until the universe says no longer. See, that's, and, and there are people who, who never make the shift and that the universe isn't going to be as blunt as it was with me. And all of a sudden one day they say, wow, I just lived this life and it was never the life I wanted to live. Mm. And so what I want people to do is just say, 
look at themselves and say, where am I? Where is it that I want to be? And what baby steps can I start taking to get here? Mm-hmm. Rather than sitting back and waiting for something to happen. I, I remember hearing years, I don't, I think maybe it was Oprah or someone she had on her show say that, you know, God starts by whispering, right? Spirit speaks to us in a whisper. And then there's like a little pebble, like a little, you know, just knocking at your door. And then there's a brick upside your head. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like what you're really saying is like, don't wait for the brick. Yes. If yeah. you can help it, if you're starting to hear the whispers and you're starting to notice the pebbles, those are all little cues that, hey, right. up. there's something to look at. There's something yeah. to pay attention to. There's something to yeah. talk about. There's something to explore and, and be curious about. Right. Um, brilliant. <laughs> and just because I know you're going to open it up here in just a second, but I just, and then, you know, here's the beauty though, is that because all that pain that I put myself through, nobody else put it, me through it, but me, the beauty is you come out on the other side. And that's when, when, you know, the sun starts to shine or whatever you want to say, it, it made me do things like move closer. I now, um, I'm living with one of my very best friends and, um, I have family within, a, a just a decent drive. And, um, I have a job that I absolutely love. It's not a job. I work for myself. I travel around the country. I get to, uh, talk to people about leadership every day. And, um, I'm not rich. And as I said to you earlier, I don't get to see these people long-term. So I don't get to see some of the, um, results of what it is that I do. So it's not perfect, but oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I would never go back. I wish, no, let me just say, I'm glad I went through what I went through, but I don't want others to have to go through that. Just make the decision quicker and cleaner. That's it. Yeah. Oh, no, I so appreciate that. And I think what you're also pointing to is that it's not necessarily about looking for perfection is looking for alignment. And once you figure out the alignment, then you can start bringing in different elements. You might just out of this conversation, I imagine, begin to connect with some of those individuals at the deeper level. Perhaps Mm -hmm. right now the job isn't designed that way, but that doesn't mean that you can't behave that way. Correct. I, I love that. Okay. Well, we have a, we have a couple comments. I want to, want to bring someone in here. So we have Gail, Gail Blair in Allen, Texas. What do you want to share, Gail? You have to unmute yourself. Hi, Trish. Hi, Gail. (laughs) When I saw you were going to be on, I was so excited. (laughs) I could just see you face to face. Yeah. Nice to see you. Yes. Yeah, I've been curious about, I wrote to Valerie and I said, I've been curious about exactly, I knew something shifted, you know, and I heard you talk at Unity on Greenville. Right. It's probably been about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was fantastic. And I've been curious really ever since, you know, Mm -hmm. what exactly happened. Yeah. It sounds like you had the same sort of moment that I had. 
Yeah, and where I, I call it being pushed out of the airplane because I wasn't going to go willingly, yeah. right? So I was fired for the first time in my whole life. So, you know, when you said that you, um, you know, you got that less than stellar uh, report, then right. it kind of reminded me of that. It's like, yeah, I got fired. And I got fired for something that was so ridiculous. And then I ended up, you know, not being able to find a job, period. And I had just bought a house oh. you know, three months prior to that. And so I basically, you know, worked about, you know, five or six jobs for a year um, before, you know, all the ahas really started. I had to surrender is what happened. <laughs> I, yeah. just to, I just had to surrender. But I have a question. And I think you just kind of hit on it. Um, would it have been possible to, I just, and this is for myself too. I wonder, I guess it wouldn't have been possible because it didn't, it didn't happen that way. We had to have the brick. But I'm right. like, what would it have been like if you could, if, we, if both of us could have gotten that aha, that uh, wake up call and, and still been in the work that we were in. Yeah. I wonder what that would have looked like. Yeah. You know, cause I believe we can live our purpose anywhere, but apparently we needed the brick. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people need the brick in different areas and different ways. It, yeah. it gets too comfortable and we get comfortable in that. Yeah. I was just too comfortable. That's what it was. And the funny thing was, is I'm the one that put that out there in 2009. Even I got fired in 2011. It's like, be careful what you ask for. Because in 2009, I'm going, you know, life is great. I'm working 23 hours a week. I'm making buku money. You know, I'm super happy. I'm not happy. I'm super uh, not even content the word. I don't have anything to worry about, basically. And I'm going, but there's more. There's got to be more than this. Something, you know, I just feel like that I'm not growing. That was it. And I'm like, oh. You know, I just feel there's a shift coming and bam, that's what happened. Right. Trish, yeah. what would you, what would it have looked like if you had noticed before the break? So I, I, I've been giving this a little bit of thought and I think that part of it, you know, Gail and, and Valerie is that women who become successful, and this is changing, but for, uh, for our generation, Gail, women who, be, who are successful um, and who are supporting themselves, I think that we intentionally don't look at um, our discomfort because we've been taught that. We were, we were taught that. We were taught that um, we needed to prove ourselves. And so we were just, and you know, when, when, I, when I think of you, when I think of Gail Blair, I think of uh, classy, beautiful, never any problems, honestly. And that's, you know, and, and that's what, we've been taught to put out to the world yeah, it is. <laughs> you know we have been taught to put this little thing so a brick had to hit me because i was i was living 
the way that my generation said, this is what we value. Right. Yeah. And I wasn't going to bump up against that. What right. would it have looked like differently? Oh, it would have been a much, much easier transition and I would have been more ready for it, uh, both financially and spiritually. Mm-hmm. But that's why I that's why I love working with young people. I, I'm so lucky that I get to work with uh, college students on a regular basis because I, I want to let them know uh, that there are different ways to have a career path and that that you can be your true self. Right. That's so good. Yeah, we don't have to wait for the brick. Nothing wrong with the brick if you're building something with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm really serious. <laughs> Because oh, there's going to be a preponderance yeah. people get hit by a brick <laughs> at some point, metaphorically, right? <laughs> but use it to build. And I think that's what you're pointing to. You have the opportunity now to share your message, your lessons with others. Right. So whatever bricks you've collected over a lifetime, use them to build something of worth, something right. that will become a stepping stone for other people. Yes. And that's really good. I can't believe it. That, that really is good. <laughs> Yeah, that's really good, Valerie. <laughs> but I, I so enjoy this conversation. And we're wrapping up the hour here, but I, I think there's a, a couple of nuggets that you shared that uh, Trish and, and Gail, you two, that pointed to that are really, really important. And one is that it, bricks don't stop people, right? If you've stuck with it in your hand and you're telling the story of, oh my gosh, this brick hit me and I can't believe I, it's not fair in all these years. And if you're still stuck on that story, then there's yeah. likely another opportunity to look, see what can you do with this brick that might be of value, but also to really start to be more conscious when that unrest starts to hit. Yeah. Ask questions. And I, I realized something too in, in, your, in your sharing, Patricia, that the actions don't necessarily have to be these grand gestures. Clearly, when you left the job, that was the grand gesture. Right. And some of these inklings that you started to have had perhaps you even just shared in conversation. I I find that in order for us to be conscious of something, we have to be willing to share it. So it's one thing to have this internal insight go, oh, that's interesting. I noticed X, Y, Z. And another one to actually have a conversation about it with someone, someone you trust to say, hey, I'm feeling this way. I've noticed this. I feel like those are the small actions that we all can take in becoming more conscious. I think that's why, you know, I value so much my work as a coach is because I help people externalize some of that internal turmoil and that, you know, once you lay that out, then, oh, now I know what to do with it. Or perhaps now I'm just more clear about what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. So that, I so appreciate that. Trish, any final words before we end the, the session? Well, first, thank you so much for having me on and letting me tell this story. And, um, you know, the word is this, just, just things don't only go bump in the night. Things go bump in your head and in your heart. And when they do pay attention, please just notice. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. Thank you so, so much for spending time. I'm so glad that we got reconnected. Yes. Because longevity is important to you. I want to make sure that we continue to do that. Yeah. And, and for sharing your story and your message. And, and by the way, you did say the name of the company at the end. Oh, <laughs> I did. oh well. 
You did, man. I was in the moment, and you know, it was like, boom. It was like this grand reveal. <laughs> I think we kept people on their toes, hoping for something to happen, some slip of the tongue, which you performed really well. <laughs> so thank you. Well, thank because you I did that, let me just quickly say that co there's the company is uh, did not change. I changed. Mm -hmm. The company did not change. I changed. Yeah. And all of the issues and troubles that I had with the company were internal, not the company. There you go. Yeah. And that's also so good because it does point to any relationship that we're having. It's not about the relationship. It's about ourselves and who we're being in any given moment. So that's, that's the first place to look. Yes. Excellent. Trish, thank you so much for joining us. Anyone that was here live, Gail, thank you for your comments and your Thanks, questions Gail. as well. It's wonderful to see you again. And those of you that tuned in, again, I say I'll post this on, it's on Facebook Live currently, but you're also able to get the recording. Those of you who registered for the call, be able to share that with you directly. Begin to have these conversations with your own community. That's that's how we become conscious. That's how we get connected. And that's how we create something with all those bricks that we've been collecting. <laughs> and looking forward to continuing this uh, next week. We're actually going to have a wonderful conversation. I'm inviting, I created this Best Bosses series for myself where I've invited three people. So far, you've heard of one, Jonathan Chapel. Next week, we have Tim Schaefer who's going to be joining us. And Tim was a boss of mine a couple years ago and one of the best virtual teams I've ever worked on. And I know there's so many, there's so much information about virtual teams, how to create one that works and his experience and also my experience being on his teams have been phenomenal. So I'm bringing him in next week to talk about that and what it is and what it takes to be a leader of a virtual team. So tune in again on September 10th. You can join us on Facebook Live. You can join us here on Time to Come Alive. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Looking forward to seeing how you build something of value with your bricks. Bye, everybody.